Howdy, folks. Tomorrowland Transit Authority Metroliner non-stop now departing Rocket Tower Plaza Station for a round-trip Super Skyway Tour. Hollywood, 1939. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcasts with your hosts, Dewey, Ron, and Tony. Here, we love to talk about the Walt Disney World Resort, the way we remember it, how it's changed, and why we still enjoy visiting the most magical place on Earth. We're not experts, but we want to share our unique experiences and memories with you. You may learn some facts you never knew before, and you may return to some of your own memories of the Walt Disney World Resort and we'd love to share these memories together. So come with us on a podcast journey as we reflect on the WDW Reflections Podcast. Please stand clear of the doors. Reflections. Hey, y'all. Welcome to the WDW Reflections Podcast, your unofficial guide through Disney World memories and their connections to the parks that we know and love today. I am Dewey, I'm one of your hosts, and this is episode number 25 of the WDW Reflections Podcast. We thank y'all for being here with us. Stick around towards the end of the show for more information on how you can contact us and become involved in the show through social media groups and maybe even be a contributor to future shows. With me today are my podcast travel buddies, Ron and Tony. So coming to us from Tennessee, my good buddy Ron. How you doing, man? Hey man, doing well. Um, had some personal stuff going on, but um, doing well from that, and looking forward to jumping into a discussion again. It's been a week. Yeah, it's been a while. It's uh, time flies when you're having fun, I guess. All right, good to see you, Ron. And coming to us from the Big Apple, my buddy Tony G. What's going on, Tony? Hey, how's it going, Dewey and Ron? We are doing okay. It's been a snowy week, but we made it through, and let's see if we can talk about some Disney to bring in the sunshine back. Yeah, man, we got here in, in central Delaware, we got uh, last weekend, I guess it started snowing last Friday and through Saturday. We got about 10 inches of snow here in in Delaware, and uh, anybody that knows me knows that... Uh, <laughs> I hate it. This the word snow is one of those four-letter words that you shouldn't say out loud. It's a bad word for me. So I absolutely hate it. So I am was hating life for the last week or so because there was still snow on the ground. But <laughs> uh you got snow up there in New York too, didn't you? Didn't you? We did. And we did almost 20 inches um where we were and 20? Certain, yeah, in certain oh, parts, man. certain parts even more than that. So it it was uh Something to dig out of, but we're good. Oh my gosh, what a nightmare. I know uh, my family, uh, I'm the only one that left Arkansas. I think they're smarter than me. Um, <laughs> they all still live there, and, and Arkansas got some snow over the last couple of days. Do you, you see any snow there in Tennessee, Ron? We did not have snow with this last um, or front that went through, but we did see some snow the prior weekend. And the thing that I like about Tennessee snow is that it sticks around for approximately five hours, 
Which 15 minutes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so enough time to play in it and then get back and get back to reality and enjoy the sunshine and the warm temperatures. Though we have been experiencing the the colder temperatures and I'm not happy about it. Look, I know, uh, you know, you guys, I've told you all a bunch of times, my father-in-law works for uh, Disney, works at Animal Kingdom, and uh, it's been super cold down there. They got yeah. down into the 30s um, a couple of nights and had a couple of days where the the high temperatures were in the 40s. Oh, so wow. for for Central crazy. Florida... Yes, they they actually had to wear jackets. It was crazy. So, uh, I guess it's cold everywhere, but um, uh, no bueno. I do not like it. So, I'm glad uh, that we got some rain the past couple of days and washed all the snow away. But it's it's still cold out there. So I'm just waiting for summer. I can't wait. My poor Our spring starts at the end of this month. Every year, I just can't believe at the end of February into March that we start seeing flowers bloom and higher temperatures. And the only bad part is that the mowing season here is much, much longer. I would <laughs> happily mow uh, every week for the rest of my life if it meant, you know, 85 degree temps every day. So I'm counting the days until I move to Florida. I've got three and a half years till I retire from teaching and I'm headed south. So just counting the days. All right. All right. So let's go ahead and move on to the main topic for this week. Uh, we are going to go back to the year 1989. So, hey, we were talking about some uh, dizzy trivia earlier today before we actually started recording. So uh, which one of you guys can tell me what happened? What was the major news? on May 1st, 1989 in Disney World history. Ooh, ooh, ooh. I think I know. Is All right. Think... Ron, do you know? I don't know. Uh, this is a, a guess, but I am guessing that it was the opening of Disney MGM Studios. That is correct. Uh, May 1st, 1989. Again, here we go. The, the, the Michael Eisner era, actually the MGM Studios and Pleasure Island both opened on May 1st, 1989. So pretty cool stuff there. So we're going to talk about an opening day attraction from the, the opening day of May 1st, 1989 at Disney MGM Studios. We're going to talk about Superstar Television this week. So Superstar Television was an opening day attraction at the Disney MGM Studios. Like I said, it opened on May 1st, 1989. The show was located in what promotional materials called the Disney Television Theater. Now, we all know that theater today is called the Hyperion Theater. I believe that changed names somewhere around 2015. But the show utilized sets on the stage made to resemble some familiar settings from some of the most popular TV shows in American TV history. These sets allowed Disney World guests to be cast into starring roles in some of their favorite TV shows by using cutting-edge technology, then known as blue screen technology. 
it allowed the video footage of the participating guests to be digitally placed into actual video footage from their favorite television programs. In a time today, in what this is 2022, we can do those exact same things with our iPhones. You know, it, it, we can make videos and put ourselves in different environments and all that kind of stuff. It seems kind of commonplace. It seems like ho-hum, big deal. I can do it with my handheld device. But I can tell you, in 1989, it was pretty impressive to see. So the Hollywood studios that we know today barely resembles the Disney MGM studios that, off, that opened in May of 1989. So the premise of this show, the, the superstar television, doesn't really fit in with the theme of today's Hollywood studios. But in 1989, it really did. It was what the park was all about. The park was supposed to be an actual working movie and uh, animated studio and was meant to provide guests an opportunity to see how TV shows and movies were actually made. So the idea was that you were going behind the scenes. You were seeing how movie magic and TV shows were made right there in that working studio the Disney MGM Studios in 1989. So basically everything you did at the studios was a behind the scenes look. So you had the, the Indiana Jones stunt spectacular that was showing you how stunts were done in the movies. And you had the backstage uh, tour, the tram tour that took you down residential street and you could see how the houses were facades and you got part of that show was a, a walking tour and you got to see how special effects were done with with these blue screens. There was a show called uh, the Monster Sound Show that that let you go behind the scenes and see how Foley actors created all the sound effects for for TV and movies. So this superstar television fit perfectly into the theme of being in the movie magic and and Dewey, let's not forget that the park itself had uh was as, as you mentioned it, people might not realize it was a legit studio they actually did produce shows there there was the new mickey mouse club amongst other things um and they used facades from the golden girls and a, a few things that they that they had on site there that they actually used in the, in the actual tv show that's right um there was a, you guys remember Hulk Hogan, the yeah. WWF and then WWE wrestler. Um, he had a show called Thunder in Paradise that was actually um, recorded and produced there at the studios. And you're right, they did uh, the new Mickey Mouse Club and lots of, uh, what do you call them, uh, game shows. One of right. World of Fortune recorded there and stuff. So they... And also, uh, let's not forget the um, the animation studio. Uh, even though it it didn't seem like it because it was part of the theme park and they had some attractions there, that was a working animation studio that was responsible for producing a lot of the favorite hits that we know today. Everything from I think they may have started from back in Aladdin days or after that or right after Aladdin perhaps. But I, I know when I went to visit behind stage, they were doing The Lion King, they were doing Hercules, they were doing. Um, Pocahontas. So a lot of those hits actually came from, from work that was being done live at the studios in the theme park. 
absolutely. Uh, Lilo and Stitch, I know, was yeah. uh, was one of the last ones in full was made there. So I mean, it was uh, an actual working studio for a little while. So it was pretty cool to be able to go behind the scenes and see how all that stuff is made. You know, I mean, nowadays every every movie that comes out on DVD or Blu-ray or whatever has those behind the scene footage and stuff. Right. But you know, in the eighties that wasn't really a thing yet. You know, DVDs weren't a thing yet. So the the behind the scenes stuff was really like a glimpse into stuff that us as the as the movie watcher, you didn't really get to see. So it was really pretty exciting. So this show, Superstar Television, really fit into that whole that whole idea that you were getting a behind the scenes look. And this really put you, the the theme park guest, into some of your favorite TV shows. So on opening day, the attraction was sponsored by Sony. So the fun began in an outside holding area in a, a out right outside the theater and it was had an the cover a covered pavilion, I guess you could say. And in that holding area, guests tried to get the the attention of the the MC or the host of the show. He would come out into that little covered area and he was like the hype guy. He was trying to get the crowd excited and everything. And if you were a, a guest in the crowd, you were really trying to make yourself seen. You were trying to, you know, pick me, pick me, because they were looking for stars to be in the show. So the MC would say, hey, you, come on up here. And he picked, you know, 15 or 20 people from the, the audience to be a part of the show. So once all the players were cast, they were taken backstage for costumes and makeup. And in the early years of the attraction, the rest of the audience, once the stars of the show had been whisked away, the remaining audience was treated to a video that kind of explained what the show was about. And the, the early days, the first version of that video was hosted by Alan Alda. You guys probably remember him. He was Hawkeye Pierce on the old show MASH. But he hosted that, that video that was shown on those overhead monitors. And the video would change over the years, but what didn't change were those huge, gigantic, clunky TVs that, that were hanging from the ceiling of every attraction, it seemed, there in the MGM studios, every one of those, those, the walking tour, the tram tour, they all had those big giant, seemed like 400 pound TV monitors hanging from the ceiling that would explain to you what was about to happen, what show you were about to see. And you guys remember that before the day of flat screen plasma TVs and all that stuff, you know, we had those gigantic uh, square TVs hanging from the ceiling. So and they were heavy too. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they, they required a, a mounting brace that looked mm -hmm. like it could have carried a 747, man. They were, they were huge. But that was a part of the, the charm of 1980, 1990s uh, era MGM Studios. So you watched, uh, if you weren't one of the lucky ones, then you, were, you stayed in the audience there and you watched that Alan Alda video that said, here's what you're about to see. So after the actors were whisked away and after the video was complete, the audience was then led into a 1,000-seat theater. 
once you got inside, you, you were basically in a theater. There was a stage and uh, on the stage were movable set pieces. And all around the, uh, all up on the, all, all around the front and the sides of the theater were eight 100 inch wide projection screens. So everybody in the audience could see what was going on you could, if, if you were in the audience, the guests could watch the action on stage and see the actual actors, you know, the, the, the new stars of the shows acting out on these stages while they could, you could look back and forth, watch the stage, or you could see the video magic happening right before your eyes as the massive TV screens would show the action on the stage blended together with the video footage of the old school original TV program. So it was happening in real time. And like I said before, that doesn't seem like a big deal nowadays because you know here in Zoom, we can put ourselves in a background and all of these things you can do with your phone now. Well, the but big difference I, though there too, we had a, a stu live studio audience watching us. That's the- Absolutely, difference. absolutely. So it was really cool to be able to sit in the audience and see the, you know, the action going on on the stage but at the very same time, again, in real time, on all these gigantic eight-foot-wide movie screens, you could see the people from the stage being digitally entered into that, that, that TV show through that movie magic that was happening on those blue screens. So, again, not a big deal today, but in 1989, that was, that was cutting edge, man. It was really cool to see. And gosh, let's see, 1989, I was <laughs> uh, 15, 16 years old. So that was really cool to me, you know, because I knew that on Return of the Jedi, the way they made those scenes where the Luke and Leia and the biker scouts were, you know, flying through the forest of Endor, I knew that was done on those blue screens. So I thought that it was just super cool that we were able to see that happen right there before our eyes. So I, I really enjoyed this. So I, do, I want to run through uh, kind of what the show was about. So basically, the premise of the show was you are there present for an entire day of programming on this channel number one. It was Superstar Television, channel one. And so you went through the entire day's programming. So the broadcast began at 7.59 a.m., July 18th, 1955. And you were on the, uh, the Today Show. And on the Today Show, there was a member of the audience who was this, the star, right? And the first part of the show was the opening of Disneyland. So you were there for opening day of Disneyland and the, the guest star was kind of introducing that, you know, hey, looky here, Disneyland opens today in California. So may I inter interrupt you for a second when you're sure. saying that you were there, do you mean that they, did they have a member of the audience participate in that scene or what, did they just include a, yes. a shot of the audience there? No, you were there watching uh, on Superstar Television. They whisked you back to 1955. If you were watching those big 
100 uh, inch screens right the 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 video that you were watching was converted to black and white and the the guest that was now a star of the show was almost like a news anchor oh i see yeah introducing yeah. Right. the opening of of disneyland on july 18th 1955 so from there you it's you go from the today show to the next step and the next show was the howdy doody show mm -hmm. and i'm sure you know, most people know at least my age howdy doody was before my time but yes. i know i've seen it right. howdy doody was a red-headed freckle-faced yeah, uh, with a plaid helmet. shirt that's yeah. right and so the second show that you watched was howdy doody and they the uh the crowd got to sing along with the howdy doody uh theme, theme song. song yep everybody knows that i'm not going to sing it <laughs> <right now. laughs> you're welcome after the howdy doody show and of course every one of these shows had the the guest stars that were pulled from the audience they were either a host of the show or they were participating the you know in in some way the next episode that was featured on superstar television is probably probably the one that got the most laughs and is uh, a scene from one of the, probably one of the most iconic scenes in television history and this one was a it was a a preview or a promo almost like a commercial uh, because it actually said airing monday night at nine is this week's episode a brand new episode of the i love lucy show and the the scene that was recreated was that iconic uh the iconic scene where Lucy and Ethel Mertz were working on the ch in the chocolate factory and the the chocolates coming by on the conveyor belt so fast that they can't keep up. So the movie magic that was created, you were in the scene, the guest that was chosen was in the scene with Lucy. So well, technically she was performing it. She was doing it live and then it was being broadcast on the screen and that's and correct. Look as if she was on screen with Lucy. That's correct. So if you were watching on the stage, you saw it was a lady dressed up in that old, uh, you know, factory workers with the chef hat and everything. And there was an actual physical uh, conveyor belt yeah. that she was used on the set. And then if you tore your eyes away from the stage and looked at the screen, that lady that was on the stage was superimposed with that blue screen magic into that scene with Lucy. So, you know, the conveyor belt's going really fast and they can't, they can't work fast enough to put the chocolate in the wrappers. And, you know, so hilarious, uh, you know, hijinks ensued. So that was really cool, really fun to watch the, you know the ladies trying to wrap the, the wrap the chocolate, and Lucy's <laughs> freaking out. She's stuffing chocolate in her shirt and everything. A lot of fun. So if you've ever watched the I Love Lucy show, you you got to know that the iconic scene. The next scene showed the MC would speak about a transition from black and white television to color television of the 1960s. So no longer were the the video screens showing black and white shows. Now we're in full color, and that's a really big deal. And the next show that was highlighted was a scene from General Hospital. And you were told that this show shows at 12 o'clock noon. 
And it was a typical soap opera scenario featuring a couple of characters from General Hospital of that era named Sonia and Donald. And they acted out the, you know, the, the silliness that happens on, on daytime soap operas. You know, really hey, dramatic. Yes. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'm just curious. Did they get different um, audience members or was this always the same audience member doing them all? Oh, no, it was they when you were selected at the beginning of the show, they picked about 20 people. Oh, OK. That and, is. you know, they would tell, you know, you're going to be on scene three. You're going to be in scene five. You're going to mm -hmm. be. in. so you basically they would line you up. And and this all happened very quickly. It was, yes. you know, the scene would happen. Those people would walk off. The new set would come up and two new people would walk on stage. It was just, you know, very fast paced. And it was made to create mistakes. You, you know, obviously you you didn't have time to study your lines and there were cue cards and everything. But the reason it was funny is because it was real people trying to be in these shows and it was always silly. It was always uh, horrible, really. The, none of these people were actors and everything. So it was it was pretty bad. So. Uh, after the soap opera came another commercial, another promo, and it said Sundays are great on Channel One, and it was a promo for Walt Disney World's Wonderful World of Color, and it, it said that it came on at seven, and then there was a promo for the Ed Sullivan Show, and in this, a group of participants, or the guest stars, came on and they were performing a a song and you're going to love this ron because the name of the song was da do ron ron <laughs> so they were like they were like doing like really bad dances and you know <laughs> do ron 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 do ron you know that old like 50 show 50 song and they were in a band called the von Zells, and it was just four knuckleheads from the audience uh doing horrible choreography and and you know on the ed sullivan show Pretty bad. Then after that was another promo for the show Bonanza. You guys remember the Bonanza show is a Western show with uh, Hoss and the Cartwrights, right? So the promo of, of Bonanza, it was showing video of Hoss and all the characters riding their horses. And it was normally a, a child from the audience that was the guest member. And, you know, he was wearing the, usually a little boy and he was wearing a cowboy hat and a vest. And, and on the stage, he's on a fake horse and they superimpose that with the video, you know, that you're watching on the screens. And he looks like he's, uh, you know, a member of the Cartwright family. Pretty cool. After that was the next show featured was Gilligan's Island. You guys remember Gilligan's Island with the skipper and Marianne and the professor and all those. So this was an ensemble piece. So there were characters that were playing the roles of the Skipper, uh, Thurston Howell III, Ginger, and the Professor. And uh, one of them were riding a bike. And you, you remember the one where they were creating electricity by riding an yeah. exercise bike? Uh, that's what they were doing. So one of them was riding a bike. And of course, they have the, you know, the Skipper is wearing his blue polo shirt and his white Skipper hat and everything. And they reenacted that that silly scene where they're riding the bike and trying to create electricity or whatever on the island. So that was always funny. Uh, the next next segment 
went to news footage of Walter Cronkite talking about, you guys know old Walter Cronkite. He was a, a famous, historic, legendary news guy from the, the 60s and 70s. So Walter Cronkite was documenting uh, news footage about Apollo 11. So, you know, it's Walter Cronkite and he says, let's cut now to the video feed from the moon. And it was, you know, dramatic, right? And it shows uh, Neil Armstrong letting himself down the ladder and he, you know, drops down on the moon and you see the moon dust kind of float up and you get that, um, that epic and now world famous line, you know, that uh, one giant, what was it? Uh, small step for man, one giant leap for mankind, you know, and it's that, that dramatic, you know, you hear the, the, the crackly, the crackly voice coming from the moon, you know, 100,000 miles away. And then the camera kind of pans over to the left and you see one of the guest members from the audience holding cue cards. And the cue card says, one small step for man. So, you know, the cue card person was on the moon. So, haha, that's hilarious. Um, next up is a a scene from the three stooges you guys remember the three stooges larry cohen Merle. Well, I, that wasn't right larry moe and curly i said larry cohen Merley. that's what i said <laughs> <laughs> larry moe and curly and you guys remember that scene from uh from the original three stooges where they're uh all dressed up in tuxedos and they're there's a food fight and they're throwing pies at each other you remember that well, the lucky guest audience member that was the star of this scene got to get a pie in the face. So there you're you're seeing the show and you know Larry is throwing pies at everybody and then the video cuts to the guest cast member and that person gets a big pie in the face. So that always got a big a big cheer because it was funny. Uh let's see. Then after that came, now of course, you know, Sony's the, the, the sponsor of the show, right? So next up was a, a quick commercial for the new Sony Trinitron television. It was cutting edge TV. So it was a quick uh, video co commercial for the new Sony Trinitron. And then let's see, next up was uh, your evening television programs. And the next show to be featured was Cheers. You guys remember Cheers? Oh, yeah. From, uh, from I believe, it was an NBC TV show back yeah. in the day. And it was Norm and everybody on the, on the, sitting around the bar. And you guys may remember the episode where Norm tricks Woody into giving him a free beer because he said it was his birthday. And, and Woody's like, it's your birthday, Norm. Hey, we always give a free beer to people on their birthday. So Norm gets a free beer. And then Cliff Clavin's like, well, you know, Woody, it's my birthday too. So, you know, Woody's handing out free beers to everybody. And the guest cast member was right in that scene. So on the other side of the bar, he said it would the it would cut to that person. And, you know, they're by the magic of blue screen technology they were also right there in the same scene and uh 
that person would say, hey, it's my birthday too. So Woody's handing out the, you know, free beer to everybody. And uh, I'll, I want to talk about it in here in a minute, but I got to be, I was actually chosen to be in the show one time. And the cheers scene is the one, the scene that I was a part of. So we'll talk about that when I finish going through all of, uh, all of the scenes. We're almost to the end. So that was the cheers scene. And then there was a Golden Girls scene where um, a member of the audience got to interact with the Golden Girls. And there it was a scene where there was uh, audience members acting as neighbors of the Golden Girls. Then after that was a, a promo for a sporting event. And you guys remember Howard Cosell? The yes, legendary uh, mm -hmm. sports broadcaster from, probably, I guess, probably 70s and 80s. So it's a Howard Cosell sports break. And that episode or that promo featured uh, another child, a little kid, dressed up in a baseball outfit. And the kid would be holding a bat on their shoulder. And Howard Cosell interviews this kid after, you know, hitting a home run and winning the big game. And, you know, of course, the kid messed it up every time and everything was really cute. Uh, then next up was The Tonight Show. And the Johnny Carson was interviewing an audience member who was playing a movie star. And they, they had the person play an accordion. And obviously, the person <laughs> probably wasn't an accordion player, right? So the accordion hilarious. Uh, was really, really bad. And, you know, uh, Johnny Carson's reacting to how bad the accordion player was and everything. So, you know, and the audience would always be holding their ears because the accordion sounds were really loud and awful. because You know, this was not an accordion player. So that was pretty funny. And then the last segment was from David Letterman. And do you guys remember, were you guys David Letterman fans? Did you watch David Letterman a, back in the I day? I was a David Letterman. Yeah. I was too. I love David Letterman. So do you guys remember, he used to have this recurring bit. Uh, he would do it a couple of times a year. And it was um, dropping things off a five-story building. Yes, you guys that remember was so that? much fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I, I love that, right? So this was... doesn't take much to entertain me. No, it was like, we're dropping stuff off buildings and it hits the ground and blows up. I mean, I love it. So that's what this segment was. It was from that part of David Letterman. And so with this segment, the audience of Superstar Television wants to see things dropped off a five-story building. So a member of the audience asked Dave, why don't you do something educational? So then Dave's like, okay. So it cuts to Dave on top of this five-story building. And he's dropping off six packs of regular beer and light beer. And he's testing the forces of gravity. <laughs> so he wants to see, does light beer weigh less? Will it hit the ground uh, sooner than regular beer? So haha, that's hilarious, right? Like uh, Sir Isaac Newton would have been rolling in his grave, right? Another member of the audience asked to see something food-related drop from the ground or drop to the ground. So this one's pretty gross. Dave, David Letterman drops a stocking full of lard off of the five-story building. You know, when that thing hit, it exploded and everybody's like, ew. 
Then another member of the audience asked Dave to do something with a turkey. So he drops frozen turkeys from the five-story building onto trampolines. And, you know, big, huge frozen turkeys are bouncing everywhere. everywhere. And then the audience is, is made to just start chanting more, more, more. So the finale is Dave Letterman dropping a, 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 a bunch of different things. So he throws off some bowling balls off of the five-story building. And the, the grand finale was a whole bunch of watermelons. So, you know, it's like, it was, you know, boom, boom, boom. The, the water, watermelons hit the, hit the ground. It looked like explosions and everything. So that was the last scene for Superstar Television. Now, the show was altered slightly throughout the years. And at, at one point, it added some clips of the show Empty Nest. I don't know if you guys even remember that show. I remember uh, that. Yeah. Didn't last very long, but, didn't, uh, but it was a good show. Yeah, it was, it was fun. funny. The guy was like a neighbor or a friend or something to the Golden Girls. So it was like a Golden Girls spinoff. So they added some scenes or added a scene from Empty Nest. And then uh, you guys know that uh, during the Eisner era, uh, Disney bought ABC. So, you know, they had to throw some ABC stuff in there. So they brought what at that time was the the biggest show on ABC was Home Improvement. So they added a Home Improvement scene to Superstar Television at one point during the 90s. The last Superstar Television show was held on September 26th of 1998. And that was uh, the last one that they showed. So it was almost 10 years. It went from May 1st, 1989 to September 26, 1998. So just under 10 years was Superstar Television a part of MGM Studios. The show was replaced by, do you guys know what replaced it? It probably won't even register because we were adults, but do you guys know what replaced the show Superstar Television there in the theater? Was it um, Bear in the Big Blue House? That is actually over in the animation courtyard. Oh. So you're right. Bear in the Big Blue House was there for a long time. But didn't they have uh, American Idol in there for a bit? That was there's something between uh, Superstar Television and the American Idol experience. And there's a reason why you don't remember it, because I, I know for a fact I never saw it. It was Doug Live. You guys remember that animated show from yeah, Disney Channel? I remember Channel? the show, but Doug, I didn't remember that being there. Now, we were adults, so we didn't want to go watch it. And this was uh, before I had kids, so my kids never watched Doug. So I never even went and saw Doug. But Doug Live was there. Uh, it started in the spring of 1999. And like Tony said, after Doug, the building was later used for the American Idol experience. And the, uh, the theater was called Superstar Television Theater as a tribute to the original show, Superstar Television. Then in 1980, I'm sorry, uh, 2015, that's when they changed the name of the theater to the Hyperion Theater. And that's when a new show debuted. So you guys know what came after the American Idol experience. You guys remember that? 
I haven't been there since, but I'm guessing something frozen. Yeah, look, if it's 2015, it's yeah. probably frozen, right? Frozen and you're right. Them, right. The frozen sing along. Now, the frozen sing along when it started was over on the back lot. It was in another theater. And when American Idol closed, they moved the frozen sing along over to the Hyperion Theater because it was a larger theater and they could pack in more tiny little princesses singing let it go right <laughs> so that's uh that was the most recent thing the frozen sing-along i think uh that was still there the last time i went i don't know if that has reopened since all the you know the covid nonsense and stuff i'm not sure what's there right now but frozen was there for quite quite a while i think in between there as well, I, I they used I used to go for Star Wars weekends, and that's where they used to have the big um, celebrity uh, meetup. They would have the celebrity go up and talk, and and everybody would be able to watch it from there. That's right. They did. Um, they do use that for special events and stuff like that from a, on occasion. And every year, that is where they would pack in lots of Star Wars fans on Star Wars weekends. They would have you know panels. I remember. I think I saw Anthony Daniels in yeah, there one time. I did too. And, uh, you know, so they would the I guess the the guest for that weekend, because they would they would rotate different actors from Star Wars on Star Wars weekends. Right. And that's where they would do the little panel where the audience could ask the the, the stars questions. And, and if you like remember, that. too, right before that, they had the stormtroopers like do a little sketch or, or sing along or yep. be like little funny, funny guards. Yeah. So, yeah, probably as an ode to what was there before. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so that's superstar television. So, uh, had you, uh, either of you guys ever get to go see superstar television as a, as just someone, a member of the audience, or did you ever get to participate? Were you ever picked to be on stage as one of the actors? We'll start with you, Ron. Did you ever get to do you, were you ever a participant or did you ever see the show? Yeah, I never, we didn't start going um we had never been to disney studios until our first visit in 2003 2004 so we missed out getting to see that show now we had the opportunity to see um something similar at universal studios in california we had taken a trip my wife and i out there and you're right the 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 technology of green screen was incredibly um, fascinating because you're right. We didn't have the, I mean, you can today I've got a green screen imposed behind me on our zoom call today. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> so it's, it's, and I still think that's really cool that you can do that. So not having the ability to do it, on your own and go to an amusement park or, or, you know, and have the opportunity to be on TV and, and interact with something that you can't see until you look at the monitor. It was very, that type of stuff is right up my alley. So I know I would have enjoyed this show immensely. Um, and I'm sad to hear that I didn't get to, but it sounds incredible to me. Well, yeah, you said you're, your first trip back, like with a family, you said 2004, right? Yeah, 2003, 2004. 
so yeah, the show ended in 1998. So yeah. you uh, you were between trips from your your childhood, right? And then as a family going in 2004. So you definitely uh, definitely weren't there for that. So that's too bad. It was a cool show. So now, yeah, have you had a chance? Uh, did you you knowing we were going to do this episode this week? Did you have a chance to go find any YouTube videos or anything? I'm still going to do that. I didn't get to this week. I long story, but yeah, I didn't get the time to be able to do that. Unfortunately. Now this is one of the things that was unique about this show is, you know, everything in Disney world, you can videotape, you can bring your video. And if you want to ride, it's a small world. You can videotape to your heart's content, right? Great. This you were not allowed. If you were an audience member, you were not allowed to take, pictures or video because disney or mgm exactly right they didn't own the rights to all of these all these shows so you know some of the shows were from different networks so they had permission to use those in the show but they didn't always have permission to to for video so i'm disney shocked you not, couldn't take pictures i'm not surprised that you couldn't take video but I am surprised that you couldn't take pictures. Yeah, nothing. They weren't allowed. So there of course, was... if back then the low light factor flash would destroy your green screen effect, probably, or at least diminish it some. So that may be some of that too. Absolutely. So you, if you find it on YouTube, you're not going to find, you know, nowadays you can find video of just about anything that people have recorded because they can upload their videos. Sure. The only stuff you'll find on YouTube nowadays is actual footage, you know, released by Disney. Or the pre-show. You see some of the pre-show. You might see some of the pre-show, but the... In the front you, before you get in. Yep. You nice. weren't allowed to record this. So you there's not really any you know, guest members that were in the audience, you won't find lots of video of people that just recorded the show. So yeah, that makes sense. I was always disappointed, you know, because, you know, as a 15 or 16 year old kid that was, uh, got picked to be in one of the scenes, you know, I was always disappointed that my mom and dad couldn't video record it, you know, and, and I could watch it back later. Cause right. Yeah. I, mean, I guess I forgot that there was audience participation that yes. they would really want to see, to be able to share that. That's absolutely, that really is unfortunate, but you weren't allowed. You're so, right. you know, so you couldn't, uh, you couldn't wa record it and watch it back. So and, and right it definitely was, take, I'm sorry. No, I was just going to say it definitely was a rights issue because at universal studios at the earthquake, um, uh, attraction. There used to be a, a pre-show where you got to enact a little bit. And I remember my nephew had been called up and I videotaped that whole thing of him acting out a little bit of a scene with the, with the earthquake, but uh, it had to be a rights issue. So, uh, so Ron never got to see it. We know that. How about you, Tony? Were you ever able to, as a, as an audience member, get to experience the show or were you ever selected to be a a, a member of the cast i actually got the opportunity to do both um as i've mentioned a couple of times in the beginning uh disney mgm studios was my favorite theme park i used to visit there often i was a couple of years off of having attended film school so i was very interested in how they did this kind of thing and so i went to um 
to that attraction a couple of times, not very many, because I was always fearful at the time. I wasn't ready to be on camera like I am today. So I, I did not like the idea of being randomly chosen to be on stage. Uh, however, uh, I'll never forget when my I had taken my father, who I mentioned was elderly at the time, uh, to see this and his face during the Howdy Doody scene, because he remembered that show from the 50s. <laughs> you know, he didn't really speak English very well, but he, you know, he, he raised my siblings here all the, during the 50s. And so he was familiar with the television shows. So when he saw the Howdy Doody thing, he was clapping along and singing along and he saw himself on a big screen. I don't think he ever stopped talking about the, that. You know, he always used to say to me, oh, I remember when, when we went to Disney and I was in Howdy Doody and, and even when I brought him back several years later, he wanted to see if that was available still because he wanted to be on Howdy Doody again. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I actually had the opportunity uh, a few years later to go. I was with someone before I met my wife. I was visiting um, there with this young lady who uh, was anxious to be a star, I think, that, so that when the, the, um, the person at the, at the opening was trying to select people in the audience to come up and be in it, she was enthusiastically waving her hand at everything. And then the guy goes, all right, we're looking for a married couple. Any married couples out there? And she takes my hand and raises it and goes, us, us, us. And I'm saying to her, but we're not married. She goes, shh. And she, she's waving it, waving it. And he picks us. And he goes, you too. And I'm thinking, oh, gosh, how am I going to get away with this one? And they go, hi, how long have you been married? And so she just picks however long we've been dating as, as the time. And he goes, oh, OK, great. And, and oh, they're newlyweds. And let's give a big hand to these newlyweds right here. <laughs> that was very embarrassing, I hate to say. And, uh, <laughs> and it was also, I, I mentioned to do it beforehand, it was not a very pleasant trip because that particular person was not very happy to be at that park that day because in her estimation, there wasn't much to do, but that she liked. And so um, we got to be picked to be a scene where they required a husband and, and wife. And I'm assuming this is toward the end of the run because it was uh, 97, I believe. And they had added tool, tool time at the time. And I remember that I had a, she was sitting on some couch and I had to walk in and go, hi, honey, I'm home. And the door frame or something fell down. I, it, it was such a traumatic trip for me that I don't remember. <laughs> I kind of phased it out of my brain, but I do remember walking through and seeing the door fall and, and hearing the crowd uh, make a noise. But I am disappointed that aside from not letting you film it, that Disney didn't film it and let you take it as a souvenir home, that it's something you can buy because it was kind of fun to, to be, um, on stage for that moment and uh, and to uh, have an audience respond to what you're doing. Yeah, I, I'm shocked that they didn't take the opportunity to make some money there. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, but, seriously. But then again, I mean, we're talking about so many NBC shows. I'm, I'm wondering if this was an Eisner deal that he made so that uh, they could show some of the shows on NBC. Or maybe The Wonderful World of Disney was on ABC at that point. I don't, I'm, I'm sorry, on NBC at that point. But... Um, it was interesting how a lot of what you've mentioned, everything from the Today Show to uh, Golden Girls to maybe even something like Gilligan's Island, I think that's a universal possible property as well. Interesting that they use all of these other things. I Love Lucy, that's universal. That's uh, kind of interesting that um, he got away with doing that. Yeah, definitely. There was a lot of shows that 
wasn't owned by Disney or ABC or anything at that time. I mean, now Disney owns literally <laughs> every movie company in in California. But this, back in the 90s, they didn't own them all. This is probably something they should think about doing again, because I had had this discussion recently on another program that I did where uh, we were re revisiting a video I did on my first visit to Universal Studios, where you got to do this green, green screen experience of Star Trek, where you got to be in a Star Trek episode, all dressed up in the costume with green screens behind you. And then when you got the tape home, you're literally in the scene with Captain Kirk and Spock and all these other people. I think this would be great for them to do now, especially with, in the era of superheroes. I think this, would, this is something they should think about uh, even though you can do your own green screen at home, how about if you have a green screen adventure in the park that uh, has something to do with these movies that Disney owns that you can't get anywhere else, that you, you can only do that while you're there? And then they would sell you the tape or the video or right. DVD or probably just a link to it electronically. It'll probably be expensive because I remember that Star Trek tape was $29 and in 1991, that was a lot of money. So... Uh, it'll probably be like $50 and up, but I think that would be kind of something that, that they should think about how to, or maybe some, an experience where people can use their phones and magically see something that, that, uh, that's not there. Uh, I've heard they are working on something like that. Some kind of, um, virtual world where instead of having to wear the virtual goggles, you will be able to see things. You'll just hold your cell phone up and you won't see it with your eyes. Oh yeah. But if you hold your phone up, you will interact with characters or something like that. That's supposedly in the works. So, so yeah, I, now I got to do, I saw the show probably 10 times or so, you know, as a member of the audience. But uh, when I graduated high school in 1992, uh, we took a trip down there, like my, my graduation gift or whatever was, I wanted to go to Disney World. So we went to Disney World for my high school graduation. And on that trip, I was actually selected to be in the show. And like I alluded to before, I was uh, selected for the Cheers scene. And what was really cool was, you know, I, I mentioned when I was going through the through the, the, the opening of this, this week's topic, that they actually had physical sets and the sets would, could be you know, wheeled off and on the stage so they could have a new set for each different show. So the, um, the set that I got to do was the bar from Cheers. That's cool. And it was, um, you know, it was obviously smaller than the real one, but I got to sit at a bar stool and you know a real wooden bar stool and i got to sit at a real wooden bar and they had you know behind the bar there was uh racks that had if my memory serves correctly it had you know like liquor bottles and and wine glasses and stuff hanging and everything so it looked like a, a small miniature version of the real bar from cheers and um the i sat down on the bar stool and and then you know uh, watch the cue card so I could know when it was my turn to say, hey, it's my birthday too, or whatever. <laughs> um, but it was really cool. I, I, it was a really cool experience. And I, like you, Tony, I always wish they'd offered an opportunity to um, buy a video or something so that you could see yourself 
Because when you're on the stage, you can't see it. You know, yeah. you, you can't we're see be, what's we're, going we're, on. We're, we were backstage the whole time. So. Right. You didn't get to see the entire show. Yeah. You were backstage putting on your, you know, if you were costumed or whatever. And, uh, you know, so I, it would have been really cool to have that as a souvenir to take home. Because as the person that was selected to be in the cast, you you didn't get to experience what it looked like you just did your part on the show on the stage so i i have fond memories of that it was really fun to do and um really i i'm just glad i got to experience it in both ways both as a guest uh as a as an audience member a bunch of times but then actually getting to be on the on the stage and performing the show and i loved cheers back in the 80s and 90s so uh, but think of it this way though 30 years later disney would never put beer <laughs> in a family attraction <laughs> yeah it's silly oh that's one thing i do remember that um there were i actually had a mug of beer and it looked like it was full you know um but it was actually just like um you know you remember those those novelty trick cups that you had when you oh, were yeah. a kid like when yeah. you turned it upside, like yes. it looked full and you turned it upside down Nothing and it. it would be empty. Yeah. It was one of those. So the mug looked like it had beer in it. And, you know, so I, you were, I was instructed, you're supposed to pretend like you're drinking and everything. So it was cool. There was a, a prop beer mug and everything. So it was a lot of fun. So uh, that's it. So I would invite you guys. I did find a, a video on YouTube. Like I said, it must be an official release. Uh, from Disney or something because again people weren't allowed to record it I did find a video on YouTube uh, that kind of went through the entire program and you could see all the shows and that really brought back some memories and it was it was really fun to watch so uh, if you guys what maybe you were had the opportunity to go see the show in real life back in the 80s and 90s or even if you didn't you definitely should go check it out on youtube just look up superstar television disney world and you can find that video but um, it, it was really fun and i had a, had a good time doing a little bit of research about this show and kind of reliving some of that because it brought back a lot of good memories all right so let's go ahead and switch gears. Hope you guys enjoyed the main topic for this week. Let's go ahead and switch on over to the next segment. This is a little thing we like to call what's happening now in Walt Disney World. So I'm interested to see if you guys saw this. Probably so. This week, some aerial photos were released online of some activity going on over at Disney's Hollywood Studios. And it seems that the nighttime spectacular Fantasmic is preparing for its reopening coming up pretty soon. The aerial photos showed the Fantasmic Lagoon has finally been refilled. So uh, I'm not sure if you guys knew, but as they were doing the refurbishment over the last couple of years during the pandemic, the, the lagoon was actually empty. So it was, you know, just that concrete um, lake, I guess you could call it. Uh, so it's been refilled now, and the the Mickey Steamboat refurbishment has also been completed, which should be making way for uh, the actual reopening coming up soon. No official date has been released, but Disney has said they expect an, and this is in quotes, 
and early spring reopening. And as you may have heard previously, the newly revamped show will feature some updated special effects and some new sequences are said to include some fan favorites like Frozen, Moana, and Aladdin. So what do y'all think? Have y'all seen Fantasmic in the past? Are you excited for the new show? Did you see the, the newly refilled Fantasmic moat? Is all, is all full of water again? What do you guys think? Are y'all excited? I'm looking forward. I will be looking forward to going to see this show. I only, I think I've only attended this show once, believe it or not. And um, it's, it was a favorite, but it was always, uh, you just had to really plan around it if you wanted to go. And so it just always ended up not making the list. But yeah, I, I'd be very excited. I'd, I'll be very excited to go see this when we get an opportunity to go back. What about you, Tony? Are you a fan of the show? Have you seen it before? Are you excited for the for the new special effects? And maybe it's the addition of some new scenes? I've seen it a couple of times over the years. Yeah, I, I've, I've enjoyed it. It's not really one of my favorites, only because it gets very crowded and you have to do a lot of waiting. That's the part I don't like. But the show itself has always been something spectacular to look at. And it is pretty exciting to know that they've updated it somewhat. And it'd be kind of fun to see what they do with it. I, I think um, the time has come for a refresh on that one. Uh, absolutely, I agree. The uh, No offense, but Pocahontas isn't really one of my all-time favorite Disney movies. Uh, and it's it always confused me that Pocahontas was chosen because it's great. You know, it's a good Disney show, but it's not one of the more popular ones. It's so probably I always, at the time the ride was devised, perhaps. It, yeah, it's got to be. Um, it must it, it must have been, you know, the new exciting thing. Yeah. yeah. So I was always a little confused. It was like, couldn't there's got to be better Disney shows or Disney movies that they could have used here. But well, they've got a riverboat. I mean, it's perfect place for uh, Tiana to make her appearance. Yeah, you never know. I don't know. Um, I I know that they've said that they can. You can expect the Frozen and the Moana. Oh you know, no, I'm sorry. So, <laughs> so you know they're going to put in those those cash cows, right? Yeah. But um, uh, didn't mean right to say now, that out loud. Sorry, Moana fans. Yeah. Dude, right now, Encanto is the the new yeah. hot thing. So uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they tried to shoehorn Encanto in there somewhere because it's really blowing up. Yeah. But um, uh, I I haven't seen Fantasmic in probably, gosh, one of my kids were little, probably, probably 10 years, I guess, because it was it was good. But it wasn't I mean, it wasn't wishes and it's no reflections of Earth. So. It, those two things, when Wishes and uh, Reflections of Earth were in existence, those were must-dos every trip. Phantasmic uh, was not. I, I haven't felt like Phantasmic was a must-do for a long time. The coolest so. thing about Phantasmic was seeing all the characters together. On the, the steamboat at the at end? At the end, yeah. Yeah, the finale was pretty spectacular. My I wife agree. was always disappointed that we didn't get the dragon that they show on the commercial, though. She was always upset that. She said, that dragon in the commercial looks so much cooler than the one they actually use. Oh, the, the big uh, the animated. The, yeah. yeah. So I don't know. My guess is Pocahontas is the part they removed. I don't know if 
if the Sleeping Beauty part is still going to be there. So you still get, uh, what's that, uh, Maleficent, the Maleficent dragon. Yeah. I don't know if that's still going to be the the protagonist or the antagonist, I guess, actually, in the in the show that Mickey fights. Uh, I don't know. I guess nobody knows. We don't know what how these new scenes are going to be incorporated into the new show and what's gone and what's coming back. So that's pretty exciting. It's um, It'll be fun to see a new Fantasmic. So that's it for what's happening now in Walt Disney World for this week. So the last segment of the show is, uh, I think it's part, probably uh, our favorite to do each week. I know the three of us enjoy this. It's what we like to call, what's your favorite? Each week, one of our hosts bring with them a question to ask the other two guys. Those two hosts don't know the questions ahead of time, and we must answer the questions on the spot as we record. So this week, Tony has control of what's your favorite. And let's see, Tony, what do you have for us on what's your favorite for this week? All right, guys, this one might be a bit of a challenge because it's uh, you, you're going to have to select amongst a couple of different choices again. Um, and uh, I'm sorry I keep doing that. But this week, which is the first week of February, going into the second week of February, is when the Oscar nominees are going to be announced. And Disney, as we know, has uh, always somehow been nominated for Best Song. Uh, it, I, I believe they've won 14 times over the past, whatever, 80 years or so since the Oscars have started. And they've had so many classics. I mean, so many of our favorite songs that we like just from the movie have gone on to win awards. I and mean, just to give an example, we've got things from When You Wish Upon a Star, Zippity Doodah, Chim Chim Cheree, Under the Sea, Beauty and the Beast, A Whole New World, Can You Feel the Love Tonight, all the way down to something from like Man or Muppet or something from Coco, which was Remember Me. So there have been so many songs that were nominated for uh, Academy Awards over the years. And I'd like to know, which of the following four choices is your favorite? And that would be, I, I've tried to, since, since they've won awards since the 1940s, I've tried to make this kind of even and spread it out a bit so it's not all in one specific era. So I'd like to know, is your, which is your favorite? Is it When You Wish Upon a Star from Pinocchio? Is it Chim Chim Cheree from Mary Poppins? Is it A Whole New World from Aladdin? Or is it Let It Go from Frozen? And uh, all of these were the actual Academy Award winners for Disney across the years. So gentlemen, which of you would like to go first with this? You wanna go first, Ron? You want me to take it? And again, just in case you don't remember, it's When You Wish Upon a Star, Chim Chim Cheree, a whole new world, let it go. I'm going to let you go first, Dewey. All right. So let's see. Um, all great songs, actually. Uh, and although I, I'm still mad that they took away Maelstrom so they could create a Frozen ride, I have to admit that Frozen is a fantastic movie. And the, the Let It Go is a phenomenal song. The 
that lady that sings that song and her name escapes me right now. Dina Menzel and don't do yes. John Travolta. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm not going to sing it. But <laughs> that lady has a ridiculous, almost, there's no way she's human. The, 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 the power in that lady's voice is amazing. It's, I love that song, I really do. Um, my favorite is actually pretty easy though. It's not Let It Go is uh probably a whole new world from aladdin uh aladdin uh i was still i don't know i would i it came out in 92 i graduated high school in 92 uh, aladdin is actually my all-time favorite animated uh disney animated movie uh every song dude, every song in that movie is phenomenal uh so it's no surprise that a whole new world won the oscar for that uh, that year for best song but a fantastic song fantastic movie i love that segment in uh uh filler magic when they do the whole new oh, world yeah. song uh you know it's it's a really really good song my all-time favorite disney movie so uh, a whole new world gets my vote for this question okay rana you're ready to answer this question is it no this is a hard question yeah I love music and I especially love Disney music. I, they, to me, um, they create an atmosphere like no other with the music that they choose. They obviously choose really good composers and people that really can um, create the imagery and the atmosphere that they want for the movie and all of these all four of these i think do exactly that when jiminy cricket is talking to pinocchio though that's such a poignant time and it's just i i, I just love that but then you've got dick van dyke dick van dyke singing chim chim tree and on the i mean wow, this is tough because I too love um, it's a whole new world. Frozen, I, I'm I'm. This is not a a slam, but Frozen will not let it go. Is not going to be my favorite. It's a great song and I love it, um, but it's so overplayed, and not that that makes it not good. It just it's too new to be to beat the other three classics that um, you've got me choosing between. So that was the easy one to, to remove just because it doesn't necessarily, it still brings some special times because my girls absolutely love that song when they were smaller. So um, they weren't as young though. So the, I'm, I'm, stalling because i am really struggling <laughs> yeah he's, uh, he's he's monologuing so he doesn't have to make a choice yet <laughs> but i think i'm gonna go with jimmy cricket and wish upon a star it just that was a really special moment in that movie and i think it really just brought that whole movie together so absolutely if in fact it's the the opening scene to the movie and it and it always has that that feeling of of taking you where you don't expect it's a beautiful yeah. sentiment to that song as well 
Yeah. And uh, even though Pinocchio is probably my all-time favorite Disney movie, um, I will have to say that my all-time favorite Disney song is also A Whole New World, as, uh, as uh, Dewey mentioned here. I have a, a lot of reasons for it. Uh, some of them are personal, but um, it was when the, the first time that the, the two songwriters that I admire very much uh, collaborated and they made it into a top 10 hit. Um, I actually got the opportunity to speak to Alan Menken when it was a number one hit um, at Beauty and the Beast. And, and that was fun because I said, hey, do you, know, do you know your song is number one? And he was excited about that. So um, A Whole New World uh, has a lot of meaning. I think it was sort of our wedding song as well for me and my wife. Um, Aladdin also for me was, uh, was one of my favorites. So we've got two votes for A Whole New World. And believe me, When You Wish Upon a Star is, is also up there. Whenever I, I think of a Disney song, that's the first one that comes to mind. So I, I'll be honest, if, if I had not chosen Wish Upon a Star, it was gonna be um, A Whole New World. So, cause I, as you guys know, I, I love Philip Magic and, and that, oh, yeah. that whole show together. I mean, I, and, and I've seen a number, I've worked with a lot of students and a lot of them have performed it in their high school musicals and stuff. So anyway. Well, there, I mean, there were so many good ones. I mean, the, the other ones that we could have chosen from, I mean, I'm not so sure if Manor Muppet belongs in this whole list of songs. <laughs> I mean, it was a funny song and it's probably the best of that time, but, uh, and I don't even remember we belong together from Toy Story 3. But uh, or if I didn't have you from Monsters Inc., I don't even know what that is. And, and I'm pretty familiar with these songs. I don't remember that one. Do you guys? Uh, no, I don't think that one doesn't ring any bells. It, it won me. in 2001. If I didn't have you, Randy Newman's song. I don't, don't remember that. But of course, you know, there were classics. I could have said Colors of the Wind from Pocahontas. Can you feel the love tonight? Of course, from The Lion King and the Beauty and the Beast uh, and Under the Sea. Arvin has some good ones out there too. I forget. I can't. They're not coming directly to mind. But I mean, Phil Collins was. Oh yeah, and, and you'll be in my heart, of course. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, there are so many, so many great ones uh, that were out there. Uh, interestingly enough, there's a little bit of a of a curiosity going on this year because um, the big song that's apparently going around. I haven't seen the movie yet, but the, the big song that's going around with everybody now is "We Don't Talk About Bruno" from Encanto. Um, everybody, it's becoming the new Let It Go. I believe it's the number one song this week on Billboard, as well as going um, viral. And it is apparently not eligible to be nominated for an Academy Award because it was not submitted. Uh, there, apparently the filmmakers have a choice of which songs to submit for Academy Award. And in, instead of that song from Encanto, they chose one that's called uh something dos aroguitas whatever that means i don't even know but uh i haven't seen that movie i don't know if you guys have but that's the song that's that's they're they're expecting to be the oscar contender but um we don't we don't talk about bruno seems to be the big new let it go replacement and i can't tell you how that goes either because i haven't heard it yeah, I haven't seen Encanto yet. It's it's on my to-do list, but my to-do list is pretty long. <laughs> Me too, same here. Um, so I haven't, I, I know that it's very popular right now and, you know, breaking records and all that kind of stuff. And 
you know, I mean, Disney makes great, great songs, great music. So I'm sure it's, it's getting all the hype because it's that good. But I have not seen the movie and I, I definitely have not heard the song. Well, I'd love to know from our audience, what's their favorite Disney song? If, if you have a favorite, let us know in the comments. We, I'd like to know what, either from the, the list that I gave, or do you have another one? Did you see Encanto and do you like that song? Or I know another one that's getting played, something called Surface Pressure from that show. I mean, from that movie. So if, um, if you guys have a favorite, let us know. Absolutely. We'd love to hear from you. All righty, and that just about does it for this episode of the WDW Reflections podcast. Please find and follow us on all of our social media. We can be found on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at WDW Reflections Podcast, and on Twitter at WDW Reflections. This podcast can currently be found and played on many podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Overcast. If you love the show, please leave us some feedback on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Those positive feedbacks help the show reach a larger audience and helps us grow. And don't forget, you can always message us from any of those social media accounts, or you can email us at wdwreflectionspodcast at gmail.com. Send us questions, comments, requests for trip tips, ideas for future podcast topics, or anything that you can think of. Just give us a holler because we'd love to hear from you. And please keep coming back and listening to the show because we truly appreciate you, the listeners. Thank you for reflecting on the Walt Disney World memories with us on the WDW Reflections Podcast. See you real soon.